Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings, three for ten. Save $100 on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha acoustic for just $199. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in store now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bowls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerland of 670 The Score. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere that you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a five star review, tell your friends to subscribe, all that stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Bowls, like us on Facebook at Locked On Bowls. And if your company is interested in advertising to men between the ages of 18 and 54, your company should be advertising right here on our show. Our audience is 95% men and 78% of our audience is between the ages of 18 and 44. Recent surveys have shown that podcast listeners are 65% more likely to consider purchasing products they learned about from podcasts and 60% given equal price and quality prefer to purchase from companies that advertise in their favorite podcasts. Our rates are reasonable, so make sure you email us at lockedonbulls at gmail.com with any inquiries. Uh, so, Cody... Uh, we're going to start this podcast with two different hosts for the first five minutes, and then you and I are just going to come in as if nothing happened. Oh, as disciplinary punishment. As punishment, yeah. And then we're going to submit our worst podcasts of our entire season, dating back to our debut in June, I believe. This is going to be the worst podcast either of us has been involved in. We're going to shoot one for 13 on our takes. That's probably true. Uh, Sean, of course, referring to the Bulls metaphor... Of a 100 to 88 loss to the Miami Heat on Friday night at the United Center, in which Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler, the two Bulls stars who criticized teammates on Wednesday night with their postgame comments to the media, called them out for not caring about winning or their craft enough, both came off the bench as part of a disciplinary measure uh, in which the Bulls were. Upset, extremely disappointed, were Gar Foreman's words earlier Friday, a completely drama-filled day in which the Bulls had to respond to the previous two days of criticism slinging, I think would probably be uh-huh. a good way to put it. And the Bulls responded as poorly as you possibly could. Jimmy Butler came off the bench five minutes and seven seconds into the game. Dwayne Wade followed 28 seconds later. Jimmy scored three points, his second fewest of the year, only topping the game he left with a sickness. Had 1 of 13 shooting from the field. Dwayne Wade, 15 points, but only 6 of 17 shooting from the field. And it is spiraling into a disaster, a dumpster fire. 23 and 25, Bulls not on the same page, and are playing awful. And I don't know how this turns around, John. This is not great. And by the way, the 100 to 88 score of this game is not representative of... That's a good point. How it... Uh, the, the Heat led by as much as 20... This was just, it was it was just about the worst effort you could imagine from the Bulls coming off of all of these events of the last couple of days. I don't and know where to start in all of this. So let's we start should maybe let's start, start chronological let's start order. Let's start at Shootaround. We gathered at Shootaround and given the scene, Sean, a lot of media and a long time waiting, longer than usual. Uh, yeah, they well, the reason that there was a longer time waiting, for those who don't kind of know how this stuff works, usually... A shoot-around will start at 10 o'clock. It'll go 45 minutes to an hour, then they'll let media in, and we'll talk to Fred Hoiberg and then whichever player they decide we're going to talk to that day. 
today, they had a team meeting for about 40 minutes before they even went on the court to shoot around. So it was more like an hour and a half to two hours that we were waiting in the media room before they even let us in. And so then we were told that Gar Foreman would be speaking to the media. We weren't given details, just that he would speak. And you saw him getting his talking points straight over there with a few PR people. He mm-hmm. makes a beeline over to a large gathering of reporters and speaks about the Bulls' disaster for less than 90 seconds. Didn't take questions. He said, quote, We're extremely disappointed that several players chose to speak out after the last game. Every team has issues, and it's our strong belief when you have issues or critical comments that you keep those in-house. It's not how we want to operate. It's totally unacceptable, and we made it very clear to the players involved that it's unacceptable. So Gar Foreman at least did admonish the Bulls what they were doing, but he then showed zero accountability because he didn't take questions he or didn't put even himself s- into this fire. He didn't even say that he wasn't going to take questions. One of our reporter colleagues uh, asks him as he's walking away, are you going to take questions, and then he just continues walking away. Yes, it was very awkward. Uh, I don't understand. I mean, I called for it on Thursday night's podcast. Like, you have to go out and send an executive out there to answer for this disaster, and you have to do it first. That happened. I didn't. This might as well have just been an email statement. Yes, like yes in my was wildest dreams. All the, he basically just read us an email statement out loud. He didn't. He didn't actually come out and show any kind of accountability. Because I mean, to be fair, I don't know what Gar Foreman could have said that would have satisfied anybody as far as an answer. But like. You have to at least go through the motions of taking questions and yes. know, making yourself accountable. You need the question was you put this team together. You brought Evaldo Rajon Rondo into the mix, a proud veteran in himself, and Dwayne Wade, a roster construction that didn't fit what your coach wanted to do. And, and now this happened. How much of this is your responsibility? How do you judge these young players? How do you judge Fred Hoiberg amid this hoopla? Those are things we would have been firing at him. We didn't. So, in a way, we knew the Bulls were upset. But, I mean, I knew we all knew the Bulls were upset 24 hours, 48 hours ago when it was happening. We knew that people in the organization were upset about how this criticism and had been levied by Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. So, I don't I, – I mean, I guess they threw him out there, but it accomplished next to nothing. Another – just – that's embarrassing. It's not great. It's not great. And so Jimmy not, not great. We're gonna we're gonna say yes. Yeah, so Jimmy, chronological order here. Jimmy came next, and Jimmy didn't say he talked for a long time, but he didn't say a lot. His central message was basically: at the end of the day, I'm just gonna keep being myself, and some people are gonna like it, and some people aren't. But I'm gonna keep putting in work. It was a lot. It was a lot of the same cliches that we kind of heard from him yeah. after the Fred Hoiberg needs to coach us harder stuff from last year. So I thought, yeah, exactly. What stood out was Jimmy expressed no regret. Nope. Um, and then he went out. Not only did he say, I express no regret. He said, quote, I'm sorry, but I like controversy. I like it, butting heads. At the end of the day, we're all we got anyways, so you got to go out there and battle with the guys you got around here. That's that. And then he was asked, you know, later to kind of double down on that or a follow-up question on that. And he didn't mean, he explained he didn't mean controversy by way of criticizing teammates in the media all the time. But he likes this. Whether it's manufactured or real, he's okay with this tension because it pushes him to ascend to another level. It basically fuels him, is what he said in the morning. And then he came out and shot one for 13 from the field. He <laughs> claimed... Was this his worst game of his career? 
I, feel uh, like I mean, it's one of the worst. It's probably could be the worst game of his career in which he had a role. Of, I mean, I'm sure he registered. I'd have to go back and look. Right. Like, I mean, I'm not second I'm not year, like 28 minutes. I'm not kind of like games in his rookie year when he barely played. Yeah. And he just got um, into the like, so like since since the last three years when he emerged as an all star. Like this is his worst game. Yeah, and it's the first time since March. 23rd, 2013, his second year in the league, that he didn't start a game in which he was available for, healthy, and uh-huh. here, didn't have personal reason, whatever, you know, but when he's here. Um, and, I, I mean, he he and Hoiberg both said they didn't think the rhythm, the flow thing mattered. Like, he, he wasn't thrown off missing his shots because he was on the bench and then came in. But what I wonder was, was he disengaged? Did you think Jimmy was disengaged out there? He didn't. I mean, his shot looked off the whole night, and it... And it, it it almost looked like I don't want to say that he was out here just like mailing in a game because I don't think that's something that Jimmy does. But it certainly, it certainly, it felt kind of like you know how sometimes you'll see you know LeBron do the thing where he's trying to prove a point and so yes. he'll just be passive, like because he's mad at management for something. It felt like I don't. This wasn't fully that, but this felt as close to that as anything we've ever seen out of Jimmy. He was one of two from the free throw line in thirty. 30- Three minutes, and I mean, for Jimmy to only get to the free throw line twice is nearly unheard of. I mean, 10, 7, 10, 5, 16, 7, 10 are his last few games at the free throw line. I mean, most of these games he's registering in the past, you know, four weeks, double digit free throw attempts. So I didn't think he was as aggressive as he usually is in his attack mode. And I don't, I mean, I, by no means did he quit or anything like that, or no show. But I felt he got easily frustrated mm-hmm. in this game in a way that probably the last 48 hours weighed on him. He spoke a lot last season, Hoiberg's rookie year, when obviously Jimmy made those Coach Harder comments and became a self-proclaimed leader of the mm-hmm. locker room to varying degrees of success in various teammates and individuals in the organization's eyes. Uh, I felt this was, you know, maybe another stepping stone in that leadership, and it didn't work on this night. It had a negative effect, not just on the team, but on himself to maybe put that undue pressure that he didn't need to do the, uh, I mean, it was kind of going to be the flex play, right? Like, look at me, I, you know, amid the storm, I come out and hang 32, and we beat a Heat team because I'm really good, and I came off the bench, and then that didn't happen. Like, maybe file that away in the back of the brain uh, for next time, but Jimmy didn't. I thought Jimmy being Jimmy was the biggest takeaway, probably from his media availability. Then I believe next in line was Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Who was Dwayne Wade? Yeah. I mean, he uh, he explained his differences with Rondo, who criticized him and Jimmy Butler on Thursday afternoon in an Instagram post by uh, questioning their leadership and basically their attentiveness to everything every single day that was directed at Dwayne Wade for not practicing sometimes, which Dwayne Wade cited as, hey, I'm 35, I'm old, I'm not going to practice every day. And then <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the honesty there. Rondo also called out Wade and Butler for having influence on the coaching staff, which Jimmy, it should be noted, said maybe, and then, and then indicated he doesn't view it through that prism and he just hopes that they take in his opinion. And then, and, then, uh, and then Wade said, you'll have to ask Fred about that. And Fred yes. said, no, I don't believe that. Yes. So, so it wasn't was the strongest show. It was, yeah, there's a lot of credence now to Rondo's claim that they have uh, undue power over the coaching staff. When the person he accuses him of it says, maybe. The next guy says, I don't know, go ask them. And then Fred, who's known to cover or 
make false claims and alternative facts on more than one occasion says no. Um, so a lot going on there. Anything else? I mean, the other takeaways from Dwayne's media bill, but he kind of explained in the morning, he and Rondo's butting heads here, clashing, is just a difference of leadership style. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, those two guys, I mean, they've both been in the league for so long. They both, you know, won championships. So they both kind of know this, what this is. I don't think the, those two are going to hold this against each other for a long time. Yeah, and I thought, and we'll get to some of Fred's comments and Rondo's here, too. I mean, I, I, I don't know that Rondo revealed a lot other than he stood by all his comments. Rondo came out of this, I think, looking better than anyone else. Yeah. He, well, he was honest. Say that? He was the most honest. He, he basically just came out and said, yeah, I said what I said. I stand by all of it. And then he actually came out and in this game, uh, shot 6 of 8 from the field, 13 points, 7 assists, uh, 7 rebounds. I mean, it, it, this was this was his best game in at least a month, right? Oh, for sure. I thought so. And, I mean, he definitely looked engaged in this game, for sure. I thought he handled himself uh, really well. He One notable comment I think he did make was saying that everyone in the organization uh, needs to support these young players better, these guys uh-huh. he's taken under his wing and mentored. And, again, I, I, can't, I know this is a small note, and we pointed it out before, um, but to go to the Windy City Bulls game when Bobby Portis and Paul Zipser were there, uh-huh. like, we say that the Windy City Bulls game – they're just in Hoffman Estates. They're close. Well, I can tell you right now, traffic on the Kennedy sucks, okay? It's terrible, especially when you're trying to get out there on a Friday night or whatever, whenever they're playing that game. Well, he's boys with Kobe. Maybe he borrowed Kobe's oh, helicopter. Oh, Rondo, Rondo's yeah. got, a, got a helicopter or a pri- private jet just for a flight to the sure. suburbs. Um, again, that's it's a small thing, and I don't want to blow it out of proportion, but look... I, I could try to go to a Windy City Bulls game on my Friday off night, and I'm like, hell no, I want to hang out with my friends, you know, or chill. You know what I'm saying? So, like, for him to go out there, like, again, it's just proving the point that this relationship and bond he has with the younger players isn't made up. It is real this year yeah. so far. And I think that's uh, important. So when Rondo says everyone in the organization, he was – the question was, like, frame, supporting young guys and specifically the front office. And he responded, yes. To the front office part, and then he went into an answer basically about everyone needing to support these guys, and basically referencing his days early in the league when he had mentors, um, and when they got hung out to dry by D Wade and, and Jimmy, there were no one was protecting them until Rondo came to their defense, and uh, honestly, Gar Foreman and not taking questions didn't protect them, and Fred Hoiberg in saying we're just gotta move forward, like we're getting to Fred's part yeah, now, but was, like, we got to move forward. Like, that's not protecting the young guys. He was specifically asked, how are these young guys going to have confidence moving forward? And he says, oh, well, we had the meeting to, to clear stuff out. You know what I mean? Which is like, we know that. Like, how? Right, and then, of course, for them to have come out and have an effort like this where they get blown out by a Heat team that was missing Hassan Whiteside and, like, seven other guys, seven other key players to injury. Like, that, that that's not really something that's going to give you confidence that they're moving past this. I think the most honest thing we got out of Fred this morning was, I forget who it was, but one of the reporters asks him if all of this was worth it, where he says, uh, where, you know, all this, you know, leaving Iowa State, leaving a pretty good college job that he had for this added stress was worth it. And Fred just kind of pauses and goes, oh, well, and then he kind of goes into this long rambling answer about how it's a tough job and every you know everybody has to be prepared to make sacrifices or something like that. Like that, that I felt like that was the closest that we're gonna get to. I, you sometimes, and I can find the quote here, but uh, I sometimes feel with with Hoiberg that pause at the start 
sometimes means something in questioning. And I know we're really splitting hairs here and looking for something uh, that's real, mm-hmm. probably. But he was also asked, I think, pregame interviews of 515 interviews um, tonight if this is the toughest 48 hours of his basketball career. And he said, like, he paused and thought, and then he goes, that's a good question. And you could see the wheels churning, like, How am I going to get out of this one? Maybe, yeah, they're onto something that probably is, but I can't probably say that because then the headline is Fred Hoiberg is more miserable than he's ever been in his entire professional career, and he's, what, 44 years old or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, So, that... Yes, I'm glad you bring that up. And he did He did go into that. He said it's a tough job. All 30 of us that are in this position have tough jobs. There's a lot of pressure. It's high stress. It's tough on our family. It's all of those things. But at the same time, being in this league, you know what you're getting into. He went on to say you're in these situations. These things come up over the course of the year with pretty much every team, maybe the exception of a few. You deal with the best you can and try to move forward. He loves the move forward part. But the rest of it that you brought up was – was an excellent point there. And uh, after the game, he was visibly distraught. Like, this was as, this was as, as upset as I've ever seen him. He wasn't, like, mad, but he was, like... Yeah, it was... You could tell there was... A, what, was he it was, disappointment or fire in his eyes? Was there, I, I don't know. What, he how was frustrated. Care? I would say he was yeah. frustrated. Usually... Yeah, there were a couple answers where he's like, I hope today, this morning, that meeting helps make us right. Which is more than Fred, I think, usually gives... And again, it's a lot of a lot of people come out of this um, looking bad. I I can't think of a single winner. And they say all press is good press. You know who's a winner in this? Who? Paul Zipser. Why? Because he got a start. He got a start. Played well. Fourteen points. He got criticized the other night for shooting a shot he hadn't practiced before, according to Dwayne Wade. Numbers don't lie. How many how many points did Paul Zipser score? Fourteen. Fourteen. Well, is that a new career high? I don't, I don't think. New, I think it, it is a new career. It's a new 14. career high. Well, um, yeah. So I mean, we we had those. Are the Bulls better with Jimmy and D Wade coming off the bench? Columns queued up by the end of the first quarter. Right. As Paul Zepser was lighting it up for a little bit, um, and then the Bulls didn't play defense whatsoever at all. I'm trying to think. What else? Did I, Another thing game, I got to point out: Bobby Portis, Denzel Valentine, Michael Carter Williams. Even in a twenty-point blowout, couldn't get off the bench, and he left. And here's the other. Here's the part, other part that's so laughable about this punishment that uh, Hoyer gave to uh, Jimmy and Wade with the having them come off the bench for the first five minutes of the game. He didn't even. I mean, he he uh, at the end of the game when it was a total blowout, it was already decided. He left Jimmy and Wade out there, and you know you you could make the argument like, okay, sure, you know he's just going to make them have to absorb this and ha- make them take the L for you know, all of this and be out there. But then he pulled Wade with like a minute to go, so he didn't even go through with that. You don't seem to think... You you seem to take a mocking, laughing tone at the uh, the benching of these two to start the game. I think if you're going to do that... Uh, here's the thing. You, you either do all or nothing. With, with something like this, if you're going to have them come off the bench, if you're going to demote them from their starting job because you are unhappy with these comments, don't play them. Don't do this whole, like, oh, we're just going to make them come off the bench. For suspend them a game? Yes, yeah, suspend them a game. If, if, if that's the direction you're going to go with it, don't just say, oh, well, we're going to have our two best players come off the bench for five minutes. Like, 
I mean, the problem the problem with I mean, he was in kind of a no win situation because if he doesn't do anything, he's yes. he's soft. That, that's a, he's a pushover. But if he does, you know, if he does too much, if he doesn't, if he suspends them a game, then you don't have your two best players in this game, and they're kind of in a position where they're trying to stay in the Eastern Conference yeah. playoff picture, and they can't afford. But I just I just think the whole thing was pretty laughable. Yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from. I think Fred. I think that was fine. Fred said the decision to not start Wade and Butler. Or, he was asked, was this your decision alone or in consultation with management? And he said, it was my decision. But prior to that and after that, he continued to use the term we again and again and again when referencing we just thought this was best. So maybe he meant we in the form of he and his assistant coaches, but I still think management obviously was very much so cued in to that decision to bring him off the bench. It should be noted Dwayne Wade said, I respect the decision. Jimmy Butler said, sure, whatever they decide. Rondo said he had no opinion about it. Rondo had no opinion of his buddies. Uh, I shouldn't say buddies. Of his fellow alphas. And I'll say this. uh, Before we forget, all three were fined for their role in criticism slinggate. A detail that that, uh, Rondo let slip to us after... Fred, Jimmy, and Wade just completely like declined to talk about. They declined Rondo. to say they were so whether evasive. They of... had fined the players involved. Rondo was asked. Rondo was just like eager to say that. He, he was... goes, ha, "Absolutely!" Uh... And it was everyone started dying laughing. It was so good. It was oh my god, this, Peak this Rondo. This is such, this is such a mess, and I just forgot what I was gonna say. Well, that's okay. We had a lot of thoughts today that we're trying to jumble together. Um, I did. I was going to play the post game. Jimmy basically cited this being. Oh, I'll say actually no. I do. I do remember what I was going to say. Good. uh, The the thing because so he so they come so Ron so Jimmy and Wade come off the bench for the first uh, five games for the five first five minutes of the game. And by the way, congrats to Casey Johnson. Our colleague of the Chicago Tribune for being closest to the pin on our pre our pregame uh, prediction pre- prediction of when they were going to come in. He guessed with five minutes gone, it was actually five oh seven that Jimmy came in. You were the only one that guessed that Jimmy and Wade were going to come in uh, at different, different times. times. So, what are our respective prizes? Shoutouts on this particular podcast. Okay. Uh, Twitter shoutouts. Uh, I mean, work, work with me here. I so mean, that wasn't the we'll point I was going to make. But the, okay. okay, so the point I was going to make was uh, they, you know, they they don't play at the beginning of the game. They come yeah. in like five minutes in. The second half, they start yes with Jimmy and Wade on the court with just kind of the normal starters. At halftime, they're tied at fifty three. By the end of the third quarter, the Heat about scored them by 10, and I was talking to one player afterwards, and he kind of suggested to me that maybe messing with everybody's rhythm by bringing just the normal starting rotation back in in the second half might have contributed to them letting this game slip away. So that's just kind of another way that you could say that maybe Hoiberg and the coaching staff mishandled this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, Paul Zipser recently was in the sixth man first half role and then ninth man second half role. So no, but is, I think but, but I this think, is nothing new. No, but I think what, what, what would have what would have been, you know, I think maybe more the thing to do would be to start the second half the this same is, way you started the first half. Just sanity, just rolling out of the gate. Well, just no, but just to keep the consistency because you know they had kind of hit on something that sort of worked. Like oh, you know, they, they they were staying competitive. They they were tied at the at the end of the half, and then he just completely goes away from his entire first half rotation and goes back to the normal rotation in the middle of the game, and that's just a totally different set of. Uh, 
things to have to deal with. Yeah, I, uh, I do hear you there. Hoiberg was asked post-game um, about the Bulls' locker room, their spirits, and he said the Bulls' morale is, quote, fine. So, there read you into it. that. What you will, I will say this, Sean. Okay. I feel the like we've had a lot was, of I will say this. Yeah. This is, this is kind of us. Again, again. Well, you know, again, this is kind of our, this is our version of that. The day was less awkward than I anticipated. Marginally. Marginally? Well, the most awkward thing was the guard walking yep. away, not even yes. taking questions. Um, but Rondo and Wade, I think, are schooled in these types of right. mini-dramas. Mini so it really wasn't awkward around them. The post-game locker room wasn't despondent by any means. I've heard much quieter and stunned locker rooms at various times this year. Uh, Jimmy Butler was in good spirits before the game, talking about coming off the bench, just kind of uh, just shooting the breeze, more mm-hmm. or less. Yeah. Wasn't going on record with much, but just was saying, hey, you know, uh, whatever. He did say nothing surprises me anymore, so read into that what you will. Uh, I don't think anything about this surprises anyone. Fred Hoiberg and Dwayne Wade called it the Bulls' worst game of the year, and Jimmy Butler said, I definitely don't think it's the worst game and of so, so the Rondo, year. Rondo said the same thing. He said those two Milwaukee games in December were the worst games of the year, and I, I have to say I kind of agree with him on that. The Bulls can't even decide what their worst game of the year is. They can't even get on the same page about that. And I think that probably symbolizes the entire year. I did. I would be remiss before we go here on the podcast if I didn't point out I have no clue who did it on Twitter, but the message was relayed that on this night, Jimmy Butler's nickname needed to be Jimmy Bucket because he went one of 13. That was a, that was a good tweet. Whoever tweeted that, I wish we had. It was relayed to me by other media members. I If I saw the original, I would retweet it. But that is, that is incredible and uh, sums up the Bulls' night. I think it sums up the Bulls' day. Uh, right now, Sean, I don't, I don't see where you, you get the hope from. The Bulls are twenty-three and twenty-five, miraculously still in the eighth spot in the East, a game ahead of the Bucks and Pistons. But of course, the Bulls have a Sunday night game against the up-and-coming, rising, burgeoning 76ers. Trust playing better the process, basketball. baby. Um, and then a brutal six-game road trip. So uh, I don't know. Don't know. Where the answers are on this day, Jimmy Butler expressed defiance, then didn't back it up with his performance. Fred Hoiberg expressed a little more frustration than usual after saying they were going to move forward. And as the Bulls spin, I guess, a soap opera uh, goes on, as it always does. Um, And as always, you can follow Sean on Twitter, at Hiking, myself, at Cody Westrow, and Lockdown Bulls is on Twitter. On Facebook, too, by the same name. Um, so hit us up there. Send us emails at LockedOnBowls at gmail.com with any basketball questions, any uh, leadership questions, any three alphas questions, uh, anything you got, send our way. Advertising inquiries as well, always welcome. Most of all, please subscribe to Locked On Bowls. That's right. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe. Check out the other podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Locked On NBA, Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy Football, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, 
All 30 NBA teams have their own podcast. All 32 NFL teams have their own Locked On podcast. The Super Bowl's coming up in a couple weeks, so check out uh, Locked On Patriots and Locked On Falcons for that. Uh, Anything else, uh, we will be back with you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.